welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leland McRae. It's time for another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast where we talk about the sports that matter to you, the Augusta County sports fan. I am Leland McRae. Joe Deck is with me, like always. Let's jump into the high school stuff. And Joe, we're recording on Monday night, right before we went on to record. Stewart's draft, uh, news of Stewart's draft, pausing football activities became public, and that's big news. That's very big news. Obviously, pausing activities due to COVID, this is what every football fan at every school, every sports fan, I, I mean, we don't have to limit this conversation to football, but every sports team wants to play their seasons this fall, and this is what they're scared about is, is several players positive and, and needing to shut down just for the safety of all the players, which is 100% the right call. You, you got you to gotta nip at the bud. Hey, you take a little pause right here, and then maybe you can continue on like everything's fine after that, and, and that's your best bet there. So I, uh, the right decisions are being made there. I think you know there's some criteria set in place, but however we got here, Stewart's draft, now pausing activities, and, and that's going to be the biggest news as we enter this football season. It's going to be something every team is worried about throughout the season. You're right, and I, I think the other thing here to take away, Leland, is uh, I, I'm, you know, I don't know who listens to our podcast and how they feel uh, about certain things, but I'll, I'll just say I agree with you that this is the right decision, right? If you have an outbreak on the team or in the school even, to the point where you can't have school, this is what you have to do. And there's very obviously some positive cases on the Stewart's draft team right now. I would imagine, given the timetable, they still have a shot at playing that season opener. So Probably. we would hope. Um, and they want to get on all those games. And I'm sure that season opener maybe is a little tougher if you can't have practice leading up to it. But uh, it's about s- safety of the kids' health in terms of COVID first and foremost. And I know there's a lot of people out there who might be listening to this saying, well, it's kids and they're resilient. They'll bounce back. It doesn't really affect them, but there's children's hospitals all over this country that would beg to differ with you from again, qualified medical doctors, not a social media post or a YouTube video that you saw on mouthbreathers.com. So I, <laughs> there I think is absolutely no need to risk further spread. If, if yes. you know, you have the problem. Stop the further spread. Whether, whether you think the kids will handle it or not, there's no reason to voluntarily subject the kids to more spreading. I mean, there, it just doesn't, doesn't make sense. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's the right call. And, I'm like, I agree. I, I don't see this as, oh, they're canceling that game, oh, you know, nearly two weeks from now, right now. I, I don't see that uh, on the table at the moment. But by next Monday or Tuesday, you definitely want to hear some kind of confirmation that the game is still on or something like that. Otherwise, you know, some fans will be disappointed to a strap. But again, it's about the kids' health. It's, it's about, you know, not subjecting the kids to anything they don't have to be subjected to. And um, severity and whether to get the vaccine or not and masks, I know all seems to be debatable. I, I just, if I'm a sports fan in this area, if, if my kids play in high school sports right now, I just want everybody around them to to be masked up, as many of them to be vaccinated as possible so that the spread can be limited. And then also if, if my kid or the kids around my kid do get infected, that, that the, what comes from it can be minimized. Uh, that's my point of view. I know not everybody shares that, but I, I just, if my focus is my kid at getting to enjoy their uh, year of school, whether it's their freshman, sophomore, junior, or senior season, I, I, I just want to do everything I can to help that process instead of you know, take a stance that could 
possibly, you know, why sacrifice that for this? You know, just wear a mask for a little bit and (laughs) let's get through this season. Well, and I think you just have to look back at the spring, right? What do we talk about at the end of that season? Wow. Uh, And really the whole high school season in Augusta County. Wow, we were really lucky. We didn't have that many instances of COVID outbreaks in the high school athletics, but we were vigilant, right? Everyone was wearing masks. Everyone was being careful. Well, now there's a new Delta variant because not enough people were vigilant and we kind of relaxed things too soon. Not enough people got vaccinated in time. So now you have this super, this different variant that is way more contagious and is actually is impacting kids more. And we already, before the season starts, have a pause with a football program due to COVID. So I think the proof is right there in front of you. Now, again, if you're susceptible to mouthbreathers.com logic, that you, it's probably a little harder to get through to you, and you're still probably trying to find some way to make this not about what it actually is, which is you just need to be careful. And I'm not saying the kids on this football team aren't careful, but unfortunately there's other people in this community that could potentially cost them games because they're not being careful. So I think you're right. It's, it's a community effort. Everyone needs to be careful. Everyone's got to be not, not too lax. And I feel like... Um, you see that sometimes when you're seeing coverage of certain local gatherings uh, that have consequences on school years um, of people trying to downplay the severity of this. And I, I just shake my head because I'm like, okay, like it's, these are the same people that are going to be complaining if school has to be shut down. So, A year ago, we had a lot more in place. We had no kids that you know, kids not at school in some of the divisions in our area, uh, no kids in the school building. We, everybody was wearing masks. I, I, masks weren't even really a debatable thing at that point. It was, yeah, everybody's going to wear masks. And we were worried about having the seasons, and, and they hadn't paused them yet at that time. At that time. They hadn't pushed all the way. Uh, you know, it was like, okay, we're waiting until September. And so we, we're still not a year out of that. Luckily, we have a lot. We've, we've lived through a lot more. We know a lot more. There's less questions, but there's still questions. And I'm, I, I, I think a year ago I was sitting here saying I, I don't see how they play. And this year it's not what I'm saying. I, I want them to try to make it work and, and have the right things in place to have it work. I, I have not been preaching opposite of that. And I think this pause is part of that. This pause is buying into being careful and being cautious. So um, I don't like to see that. new. I wish we don't have any of this. But um, if they're having that issue, I'm glad it's being held, handled uh, directly and and getting taken care of, and, and hopefully that's the last you hear about pauses at Stewart's Trap. And, and or any- I was going to say, if if schools or teams aren't being careful, this isn't going to be the only pause you see. I mean, it's going to happen. Yeah, it, it's going to be hard not to. And I just I just really think, like, whatever your stance on wearing a mask or, or being a little bit careful is for the chance for the better. Wearing a mask of, is, yeah, well, you and I have talked about this before. Thing. Wearing a mask is the easiest thing you've ever been asked to do as a human being. So if, if that's too much of an ask for you, I'd say that you're just not a big uh, people person. So uh, you can make it about whatever you want. You can sound stupid if you want, but it's really uh, just about protecting other people other than yourself, which is not that big of an ask. All right, so on to field that on to action that actually has happened, and uh, so all, all our thoughts are to the kids in Stewart's draft that have been infected, and hopefully they get hopefully better. Hopefully they real can quick, get back, and yeah, hopefully they'll be able to play and not have another pause. Stopping the spread. Um, 
I went and watched some football on Friday, which was nice, uh, just to see the kids running around and hear the hear the sounds of football and see the sights. It was fun. I mean, it's a glorified practice. It's a scrimmage between Riverheads and TA. It, you know, it's not a real game. And, um, you know, I'm not going to try to make it into But you, you see things that you like to see. You like to see, all right, where's, where's some of these kids playing on the field that we're used to seeing? We watched Riverheads play 10 games last year. That, you know, it's double the amount of games TA played. So Riverheads looked ahead of TA in, in the scrimmage. But, hey, they had twice as many games in the spring. They had twice the experience then. Um, they're ready to go. Some of the guys they're handing the football to ran the football a heck of a lot last year, and that include uh, Caden Cook-Ash. And he looked good, and it looks like he's put on some more weight and grew a couple inches maybe. And, uh, yeah, it, it's that's a good sign for Riverheads. He got eight Miller kind of in that two-back role for the Gladiators. And then Noah Smiley, who we've seen a lot at fullback uh, during, the, during the stretch, particularly the state championship game, when Riverheads played too tight, Noah Smiley moved to tight end, and Cole Burton was at fullback. That's how they just came out. Uh, here in this preseason game for, with uh, Noah Smiley playing tight end. So, you know, Coach Castro's, you know, he's, he's won a lot for a reason. He knows how to get his talent on the field. He knows, you know, where he can move the guys to get all the best players on the field at one time. And that's what I saw during the scrimmage. And uh, it was good to see. it. You know, the scoreboard was lopsided, but it doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, T.A., they're going to get better. They, people look at them as one of the better teams in the Valley District for a reason. They'll, they'll put together. they got a tough little schedule ahead of them. So we'll see what they're able to do with that Valley District. Uh, but that's going to be after they have some tough non-district games. So it, it was just more about the experience of seeing some football in the fall, which we hadn't seen for a while, and uh, it was good to see. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, again, I, I didn't see it um... – the football scrimmages are important for the teams and the kids and the coaches, yeah. and yeah. I can respect that. But as a person who's not a team or a coach yeah. uh, or a player, like it's it's preseason yeah, to there, me. So I, there wasn't a, a big crowd there. I mean, it was all the parents. You know, it wasn't it wasn't drawn in the public. And <laughs> yeah, it's just it's, I'll wait it's till they I'll like wait all. till they keep score for real, and then yeah, that's when I get interested. But yeah. Uh, the other scrimmages, uh, they, they had most of the teams had scrimmages last week. I never saw where Wilson had one, but I saw their buses leaving the school on Friday. So I suspect they went somewhere. But this week we know they're going to Nelson County for a jamboree with Blue Vanna and obviously Nelson. Uh, that's not till Friday. On Thursday, Fort Defiance hosts East Rock. Waynesboro hosts Luray. Uh, Friday, Wilson, I already said. And then also Friday, Buffalo Gap is hosted Strasburg, and then Friday Stanton is traveling to Western Alboro. So if you're a fan of one of those teams, hey, you're one week close to the season. If you're getting the itch, uh, those are the games happening. You know, nothing real big to look at any of those. It's just going through the motions, making sure these kids ha- understand, you know, how to play, how to approach the game the right way is what I always look at as uh, from a coaching perspective is making sure we're getting people lined up where they're supposed to. They're getting on their blocks. And then also the little things. They know how to go in and out of a huddle. They know when they're supposed to be on the field at the right time. You know, that kind of stuff. So that's what August is for. And uh, we've got one more week of it, and then we'll get to the real stuff. There you go. I so guess... the, big, the big thing I want to talk about is yeah. the fact that we have the Yak Cup this year. We talked about it at the very end of last week's episode. But I know, you know, sometimes our arguing with each other might lose people during the episode. But during the, during the A block this week, I want to talk about the Yak Cup, uh, something we developed uh, we talked about it last year after it was too late to pull it together, but we got the Yak Cup. Basically, it's just going to be you're going to get points based on where your team finishes in each one of the sports, uh, team team sports, 
um, and where they finish for each sport. And we're going to add up the points at the end of the year. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it throughout the year and, uh, you know, see which school is, you know, representing the Shenandoah district the best and, you know, finishing the highest the most. And uh, so it's going to be fun to kind of track that throughout the season. And yeah, I think we, I think there's going to be some surprises. You know, we, we, we talk a lot about Riverheads football. and We talk a lot about you know, Stanton basketball. We talk about these, you know, sports that have history and tradition, and we, we just end leaning into those sports. This will be fun because I think we'll get surprised where some, some winning and some sports is going to add up to one of these schools that we don't expect. Yeah, I think it'll be nice, and it's a great way to uh, um, have us, but not only us, but also other listeners pay attention to some of these other sports that they might not because it's going to have yak count. Yeah, cut points attached to it as well. And some of the sports that maybe Leland and I have, unfortunately, due to time co- commitments with football and basketball season, just haven't had time to keep up with. Now we'll have to, and we'll be better for that. And it'll be a better product for everyone in, in uh, our community when we talk about those sports as the season rolls on. I know I said in a group text uh, with our one of our listeners, Rob Ron, that um, we uh, I'm looking forward to providing yak Cup updates, even when we don't really have an update. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to those as well. It's going to be fun to hear. <laughs> but it's it's finally we can, this is something we can do because Waynesboro is finally in the Shenandoah district where they belong, um, and now all of our area schools are in the same district, so it makes sense to do it. I really do appreciate the, everybody inside the the walls of Augusta County being in the same district, and I'm going to talk about that all year. So that's going to be fun. I'm I'm looking forward to this. Uh, Something I just saw on Twitter while we were rambling on. Again, it's Monday night. Lillian Barry at Fort Defiance. Mm-hmm. She is opened up her recruitment. So she was headed to Oregon State, I believe, to play softball. And now she is a free agent again, I guess is a way to phrase that. Probably inappropriate for NCAA purposes. But uh, <laughs> Lillian Barry, we talked about her a lot in the spring. She's a big leader for Fort Defiance softball. She was planning on going across country. Uh, she's going to have a chance to go somewhere else if she chooses to, so that'll be interesting. It will be interesting. Um, I am curious to see where she lands now. Um, Oregon State was a pretty good program, so yeah. you know we're probably never going to know the reason why, which is fine, but uh, I wish her luck in her decision and where she chooses to go to school. Yeah, you, I mean, you see her at a Power 5, conference team out there and Oregon State's a good program out there so you think okay is it a power five program but right up the road real close to home she has a team that just went all the way to the college world series and uh you know the coach just signed an extension you wonder if that's a factor so I'm interested to see where she goes no I have no idea if there's any connections there I, I would have to assume there's some familiarity but uh you know we'll see where she goes so we have no insight uh inside effort because uh, Patrick hasn't told me yet if there's any <laughs> if there's any more details to that, so we'll see what we find out. All right, let's jump to NCAA football, and I want to talk about NCAA football here for a little bit today this week, because I think the next two weeks we're going to be so focused on high school. Both of the coaches poll and the AP polls are now out. The AP kind of makes me. I'm more used to just tracking teams with AP pool. And that came out today. So I wanted to talk about NCAA now because I know we'll get just loaded down with high school sports the next couple of weeks because that's what everybody's going to be talking about. So, Joe, 
let's dive in to just looking ahead at this season, these rankings, some big games coming up. Um, and I think let's just let the, the rankings kind of take us through the early part of the conversation. Um, the top 10 for both polls uh, have the same 10 teams. It's just a couple switches here and there, but it's the same 10 teams in the top 10 for both. And so, you know, it's kind of a consensus there. So um, Alabama, number one uh, in the preseason, which is as good as Alabama has been for how long they've been, um, you know, that's, that doesn't happen absolutely every year. You know, there's been, you know, an, uh, Clemson, Ohio States, and other teams, you know, preseason number one, even in just these last couple recent years. And uh, only once I think Alabama has been a preseason number one and then won the national title. So that shows you uh, the preseason poll doesn't always get it right, but it also doesn't, um, it doesn't usually steer you wrong with the, the teams that are in contention here. So teams are talking about Alabama number one, Oklahoma number two, uh, Clemson number three, and Ohio State number four. And that's per the AP, same four teams in the, in the coaches poll, just a little bit different order. Joe, I figure one of those teams you have something to say about. Yeah, Alabama. What are they do? No. Um, <laughs> uh, Oklahoma to me is, I mean, whatever. I, I don't think they're a top 10 team even. Like, I, I don't think they're a top 10 team. Well, they'll get in the playoff probably because they play in the fake power five that is the Big 12. So they'll get in and then they'll get smashed in the playoff because they're not good. I don't think their quarterback's good. I don't think their football team is good. I think they're a highly overrated ball club. And I I don't think their schedule presents a way for you to be proven wrong until the, the final. I mean, they their their big non-conference game is Nebraska, and, and that doesn't provide any juice in a top 25 ranking or, or anything like that. It's a rivalry, and I'm glad they're playing that game for the, the rivalry's sake, and I know the fans are excited about it. And, and stuff like that. that. That's fine. I'm not against that game, but that is easily their best non-conference game. And so it, it's, you're just not going to get proven wrong when you don't have respect for the Big 12 anyway. Yeah, there's, there's no game I can point to of, oh, that'll, that'll prove it to you. Now, I, I mean, if they go through that undefeated, you know, they probably deserve to be in the top 10. I, I, I'm not going to say that, but uh, – the top four is, is going to be up to bait. And, and I think you're right. I think if, if they are undefeated in the big 12, they're going to be in the playoff and, and there's not going to be, there's not going to be a lot of people out there saying that's wrong. I think it's, you know, be the first time in what, three it. years if they do. Yeah. And, and honestly where I've defended Oklahoma to you other times, and I, and I'm not really disagreeing with you in this conversation right here. Cause I don't think they're a top four team preseason. I don't think they're worth that. I think that Rattler kids getting Heisman credit and we'll see if he can live up to that. Won't we? Um, I, these last four years is where I think Oklahoma, I think the overratedness that you reference for Oklahoma is more, more compact to these last three or four years than I really think the last 20, like we were arguing one night. So, um, Fair. I, I don't, I don't think, um, I have no evidence, recent evidence to say, well, Hey, look at this. This, this is what's different. This is what I, this Rattler kid was on the team last year when they lost games, they shouldn't, if they're that good. Um, you know, I, I don't think they're poorly coached. I think, uh, Lincoln Riley is a decent coach. I don't think he'll be there forever. Uh, because of that, I just, it's something happens out there. They lose games. They shouldn't. And because they're not as good as they are 
supposed to be. And that, that's where the shouldn't comes in. I think they lose the games that they should lose because they're just, they are a bit overrated at times. Yeah. I mean, they've lost to K state, I think the last two seasons or something like that. Uh, they've lost to Iowa state last year. They're on the ropes with army. Yeah. It's just, I just don't think they're good. So whatever, they're going to go through, they'll beat Nebraska and everyone will be like, Oh my gosh, look what they did to Nebraska. Totally forgetting that Nebraska hasn't been. (laughs) Oh, I'm not saying you, I'm just saying in general, like uh, it'll get played up on ESPN. Like, wow, look what they did to Nebraska. Totally forgetting that Nebraska hasn't been relevant since Eric Crouch. So like, I, I don't know. What do you want me to say for Oklahoma? Like if they go through their, their amazing non-conference schedule that they have and somehow survive it and then lose to Kansas State, I'm supposed to be like, well, they rebounded after that loss to K-State. Cool, K-State's not a bowl team more years than not. Like, that's not a good loss, and we need to stop pretending. Like, just because you lose to a team in a Power 5 conference, it's okay. Like, some of these Power 5 conference teams aren't good. K-State is one of them. So, while I think Oklahoma, they'll they'll probably finish lower than in the top four because they'll end up losing. That's kind of where I think. But it wouldn't be surprising at all if they do kind of wind up in that top four. But I, if I had to guess, I think they'll just be lower, but in the in the top ten somewhere. Because just as they're highly ranked now, they'll get at least slightly overranked later. And I mean, somebody's got to be in front of, in front of Cincinnati. So I mean, that's just how it that's works. the thing. They got to pick somebody <laughs> to be fourth, and it can't be a non-power five team. So they'll put somebody else in. So outside the top uh, four for both these polls, you have Georgia, then Texas A&M, then Iowa State, um, then Cincy, Notre Dame, and North Carolina. So North Carolina's 10th in this poll. Uh, we'll talk more about North Carolina, so let's, let's go back up a little bit. I'm really excited about this October 2nd game, Cincinnati playing Notre Dame. I, I like the opportunity Cincinnati has there. Um, as much as we argue about who should be in and who should be out, Cincinnati's bringing back a lot. They bring back quarterback. They're bringing back a line. They're bringing back a lot of players from that team last year. That was, was pretty good. And when I watched them play, pretty good. I, I wasn't arguing that they should, they, um, it's a travesty. They're not in the top four because I mainly just compared them to who I thought was best. And that was like an Alabama or Clemson or Ohio state. And I just didn't see the same there. Notre Dame was in that top four last year and they got rocked out of the playoff, but Hey, Cincinnati goes out there and, and beats Notre Dame. And as by, they want to beat them by as much as they want to. I think that will say a lot for Cincinnati. And I think this is, you know, we talk about these teams have to beat somebody to, to earn their way in. This is an opportunity. You know, this game has been on the schedule for how long? This is an opportunity for, for Cincinnati. If they can beat Notre Dame and the more they beat them by the better, Maybe that's their resume builder that they've been missing. I, I wouldn't bet my house on it because <laughs> uh, we just made the joke about Oklahoma is still going to finish in front of Cincinnati somehow. But, you know, this, this is their best opportunity. This is the best schedule setup they can ask for. If Cincinnati runs the table, and that includes and winning Notre Dame, at Notre Dame, they, should be in. they, they should have be a in. better resume than Oklahoma. They won't get credit okay. for it, but they have a better resume than Oklahoma. Because I think the AAC is better than the Big 12. I think... Iowa State being in the top 10 is a joke. Iowa State is not good. Yeah, they, I think some of that is them finishing high last year. I mean, they. Because they did well in the Big 12. Their non conference wasn't good. They lost to a Sun Belt team. Yeah. That, but wasn't that like their only loss or only loss before the bowl game? Okay. 
If Cincinnati loses but, to a Sun Belt team, we're going to no, shoot I, them I, to the I guess moon. I'm not using that as an argument, but they it's not like they they beat Oklahoma. Uh, like that's because they had Oklahoma ranked, they had to have Iowa State there. I I agree. I think Iowa State deserves to be lower. I think yeah, but that's my point. Like I think the a, the American is tougher than the Big 12. So if Cincinnati runs the table going undefeated in that conference and a win over Notre Dame, it's better than any win on Oklahoma's schedule, and I think they should be in. You say that conference is better than the Big 12, just like with certainty and ease. Like, I, I think they're in the same region, and, and, and maybe the AC does edge out the Big 12. I, I, maybe I'm not arguing the fact of what you said, but just the ease of saying I, th- I think it's a debatable thing. They're at least comparable. Yeah. And a yeah. win against Notre Dame would be better than any win Oklahoma has. Yeah, because of what we just said about Nebraska. Uh, the Georgia-Texas A&M, it's, those are the two teams that are just kind of sitting there in the SEC trying to be that, you know, who's the other SEC team other than Alabama? They're just trying to do it. Texas A&M's got to do it from, their, from being on that side of things. Uh, Georgia doesn't. But they both have to surpass Alabama to be that other SEC team. Is this the year Georgia does it? You know, that's that's my question. Is this the year Georgia? Does it? Two years ago, I was on this podcast saying this is the year Georgia's going to do it. Georgia's going to make their little run. They were coming off like a sugar bowl. Uh, they had those group of quarterbacks come through there. I was like, this is it. They didn't get it done. I, I'm feeling it less this year than I felt it then. I I think Alabama's better than both those teams. So it's just hard for me to say that. And plus, I think I think LSU is having a chance to kind of poke back up pack up in the mix there so i think lsu is one of those teams from outside the top 10 that might show up especially in the the sbc much less the top 10 rankings so that's how i feel about about that i think though if georgia i don't know it's just i think georgia could still be pretty good that's the thing i just don't think they're better than bama yeah i I think what's gonna help georgia is uh florida lost a lot now i don't know like Seeing Florida not even in the top 10 kind of surprised me with some of the teams they put ahead of them. But I think when I look at the SEC, uh, I, I just – Florida would be a team I would be worried about. They're right outside the top 10 at 13. LSU's at 16. I I think just to see somebody different, I'd love to see Texas A&M win the West. But – uh, I don't think that's possible. And I'm so, just not big on Jimbo. I just don't like Jimbo Fisher. So I don't, I just, yeah, I don't uh, know why you don't like Jimbo. That's kind of a weird thing. But Florida, uh, Georgia does not have to play Alabama. They don't have to play Texas A&M. They Georgia, but but we're burying the lead here. Georgia plays in the biggest game of the regular season, at least in the early in the first two months of the mm-hmm. season. They play Clemson on the opening night of the season, opening Saturday night of the season. They're playing. Uh, Clemson in Charlotte. Boom. I mean, that's that's a monster game. And even if we don't think Al- uh, Georgia's better than Alabama, that's a monster game. I mean, that is that is a top-tier SEC team, you know, in the top group of SEC teams, playing the class, the only good team in the ACC, a team that's been in the playoff how many times. I mean, that game right there, that winner is in the, play- in the, in the top four, and, you know, it's their spot to lose from then on. I think that is... Georgia can lose that game and still make the playoff. Clemson cannot. I don't. I think if Clemson loses that game, they're in trouble because the ACC is not good. It's just not. Unless North Carolina runs the table, that is, or Miami, that is not. They're not going to have another opportunity to be like, well, look at this win that we got. 
the ACC is bad. I mean, the ACC is right there in the same conversation of the Big yeah, Twelve. Yeah, if I, I'm being I, I bury that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, Clemson needs that game. That's a high pressure game for Clemson. Georgia has another route because if they win, win the rest of the way, knock off Auburn, knock off Florida, and then go to that SEC title game, all they have then they have to win one game to be in. You know, they they can overcome that. I, yeah, I, I think I agree with you there. I think that's a good spot there that Clemson will be in trouble. They'll be probably that, you know, probably immediately drop down to seventh or eighth, but then they're going to be f- trying to fight their way in and fight their way in, and it'll be tough for them because they, they just won't have that late season big I'll victory. To s- I'll say this. Up. If Cincinnati beats Notre Dame and runs the table, Clemson is not – if they lose to Georgia, they will not have a more impressive win on their resume – than Cincinnati. I think it's easy to, to make those kind of statements in August. We have to see what these teams do. I mean, there's, there's, we have to see what these teams do. You have to see, does North Carolina, are they running the table? Are, you know, I'm going to argue the, that they won't here in a minute, but like if they're undefeated at the end of the season, like in Clemson then, then beats them in an ACC championship game, that'll have some value. If, if North Carolina is undefeated in that game, if, if North Carolina has three losses and they're representing the, uh, coastal over there, then it's going to be different. But if it just, yeah, I, a case will be made. It, if, when, if Cincinnati beats Notre Dame and goes undefeated, they deserve to be at every single conversation. And you'll have me being probably on the opposite side of this of tell me who's better because you ask these teams to play somebody to deserve a way in and you, and you leave them out because you say they didn't play somebody. They play in Notre Dame. I respect that program. Whenever they put Notre Dame on the schedule, I respect that because you know Notre Dame is going to be worth talking about at least. And it's all coming together at the right time. This could, this could be a magical It'll be a win at Notre Dame too. Oh, it'd be good for them. It'd be good for them. All right, uh, so let, let's talk about North Carolina. I've, I've beat around the bush here. North Carolina, ninth in the, in the coaches poll, 10th in this poll. I guess I'm just not buying North Carolina. I know their quarterback is supposed to be like on the Heisman list and this and that. They lost two really great running backs. They lost two really great receivers. They lost their best defender. I don't see how they're better this year than last year. So I don't see how we're shooting them up the rankings into the top 10. When I think of a top 10 team, when I think of what is a top 10 team, that means they're knocking on the door. They're, they're right outside of being in that top four. They're, you know, they're right there. Not, and I just, I'm not feeling that from them, from this program that just hasn't produced that before. They can go out there and prove me wrong. I mean, it's very possible. I'm not going to bet anything on this. Because uh, if I can't bet on Virginia Tech, I'm not betting on nothing. But uh, <laughs> I just, I'm just not buying the North Carolina hype. I just, I'm not. Okay. I think you're wrong. Um, I think North Carolina's going to be pretty good. They bring the quarterback. They bring the offensive line back which I think is one of the reasons that despite losing two running backs, they're going to be defense okay. defense was terrible last year. I said their offensive line. Yeah, but uh, their defense was terrible. Like, I, I, okay. it's hard for me to get past that. You know a lot of good defenses in the Coastal, do you? I see a lot of better defenses in that top ten ahead of them and behind well, them. they don't like, play teams LSU in the top ten. Other than Notre Dame, they won't play a team in the top ten, so – yeah, I just see them losing to teams they shouldn't lose to. Then I mean, I, I think they them, have a better but, offense, and I think their they defense lose to Pitt is, last year. Yeah, Pitt's not going to be as good as they were last year. I don't. I just don't see UNC being that much better than they were last year. 
So it's just hard for me to think an eight and four team is all of a sudden going to go, you know, undefeated or, or one law, you know, be undefeated late into the season or something like that. I, I'm not saying Virginia Tech beats them. That's not the argument I'm making at this moment. I'll, I'll wait two weeks to come up with that craziness. But, like, they lost to UVA last year. They lost to um, Pitt last year. Like, no, I don't know. It wasn't Pitt. They lost to- it was Florida State. It was a bad loss. And I said UVA. Yeah. Florida State, I don't know. UVA, I just see Notre them Dame. losing a game like that, that, that you wouldn't expect them to lose. Um, then they don't – I mean, what's Miami this year? They have Notre Dame on the schedule this year. Like, okay, maybe you, you concede one of those being a loss and they're still a pretty good team. I, I guess I'm, my problem with this argument is I'm probably getting hung up on the top 10 or not. You know, maybe they slide in at 9 or 10. I just – if I had to bet something, if I had – like, here's a dollar. Bet if UNC finishes in the top 10 or not. I'm betting not. They're going to beat a, bo- a bunch of bad uh, ACC teams. Like, I, I'm, they're going to win some games. But I just don't see them winning 12. I don't know. I think it's between them and Miami and – uh, Miami's defense is bad. So, I mean, North Carolina ran for 300 yards on them last year and drubbed them 62-26. Like that was the that was the game they showed up to. They didn't they didn't take they didn't do what they should have done against Notre Dame. They, but they lost to they lost games they sh- plain shouldn't have, too. But and I think last year with system. COVID and all that, it made it a little bit harder too cuz you don't know who was available. I don't remember who was available and who wasn't. I mean, but I just think I'm just not going to accept North Carolina's COVID. better. I, I'm done. I'm done allowing it was a COVID year being some kind of excuse when we're tearing team to team. Everybody had it last year. Everybody had to deal with it. So I don't. I, I UVA had to deal with it, and they lost to UVA. Florida State dealt with it. They lost to Florida State. I, I mean, Notre Dame dealt with it. <laughs> like everybody had to deal with it. So I'm not. If we're going to compare two teams in the same season of 2020. I, I'm not. But if you're saying like, what's the difference? The difference is UNC's not going to have to deal with it. Like they'll be better. And neither were these opponents. So you know when they play. Yeah, but I think those opponents suck. Opponents I think the to opponents took advantage of maybe a better player not being available for North Carolina. I, I think a generalized statement like that. I'm, if I'm, starter I'm and not, bench is garbage to garbage, who cares? Like if Virginia Tech loses a starter on the offensive line, who cares? It's garbage yeah, to play- garbage. We play better when we bring in some of these backups. Yeah, it's garbage to garbage. A loss, a lot. Yeah, (laughs) our quarterback situation might be garbage to garbage. So uh, switching quarterbacks might not matter for Virginia Tech, whereas it matters immensely for North Carolina because they actually have an actual good quarterback, which is something I would dream of at Virginia Tech. I have to go back and watch highlights from the '90s, early 2000s, mid 2000s. I guess that tie rod wasn't that long ago, but it wasn't that long ago. We were good. That's what sucks. Well, I just, like I said, I'm not sold on North Carolina. I, I guess that's, I'm getting hung up on top 10 or not top 10. Cause I think like you can still have, they're going to look top 10 in week one and when they still play. probably be like a 10. So like, it's easy for me to be wrong on this. I just, I don't know. I just don't think they're that great. I don't, every other team on that list I think is better than them. And I'm definitely thinking LSU will come up and be better than them. They're going to look top 10 when they're done with us. I mean, Oregon, Oregon plays Ohio State at the beginning of the season. Oregon could be relevant very quickly. Uh, what are we talking about? 
I don't know. There's just I, I I'm talking about teams that I think are better than or have potential to quickly show that they're better than UNC. Okay. I don't like Ohio State. I don't think Ohio State loses that game. I'm Oregon. What a jump that would be for the Oregon Ducks program. When they won, they won the Pac-12 last year. And that surprises me because the Pac-12 was so bad, I just didn't care at a certain point. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the top 10. Uh, other, so we talked about some of the big games that open in weekend, and I know we'll talk about those again. That Georgia-Clemson game, um, I guess that was the only one we really uh, talked about at any length. But other early season games, that Oregon-Ohio State games, I think is really interesting. The Cincy-Notre Dame, I guess we hit most of these. Wisconsin-Notre Dame, I think that's an interesting game. That's at the end of the month. Um, that's before the Cincinnati game. So, you know, if Notre Dame wants to do Cincinnati any favors, they need to make sure they beat Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin has been a touchdown, but I think that's an interesting game. I mean, Wisconsin is a historic program. It's one of those neutral site games. They're playing at Soldier Field. That's a, that's a pretty pretty fun game to have set up. And then Penn State-Auburn, that's another nice non-conference game in September that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I just... I think when I look at the games, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head. The season opener one there with Georgia Clemson is obviously, you know, the one that leaps out. Auburn Penn State might be interesting, like you said. But I think a lot of that depends on what Penn State is. And I don't know how good Penn State is. I don't know how good Auburn is. I think that's why it makes it interesting. I think that game in September 18th can kind of, throw a team up into the mix and, and then we'll see where they can go from there. You know, we've, we've seen, we've seen Auburn do it before. We've seen Auburn kind of come not from nowhere, but just not really being talked about. And then, I mean, that was the year they won the national championship. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe that's a stepping stone for one of these teams, you know, Penn States, I think they're well coached. I like uh, what's his face. Franklin, Franklin at Penn state. I think he does a good job. So like that game on September 18th really could be a, a stepping stone for one of those two teams that, aren't being talked about at the top of their conferences. Yeah, I, I think that's, you're right. I think that's a good, and that, that'll be right about the last non-conference game. So uh, that'll be good as those teams get ready to go into the conference play to see who stands where there. It'll be interesting. So lots of fun to see an NCAA. I know we talk about it throughout the season, but like I said, we'll probably say less these next couple of weeks. Uh, but I'm, I'm looking forward that I think next week has those week zero games. Um, <laughs> there's whole, there's oh, minimal to even, I don't care. Yeah. Like I, to even turn the TV on is questionable. You have to be a fan of one of those teams to see any of those matchups that open a weekend. Uh, Nebraska does play and they play Illinois. And then it's like, that seems like a uh, great game for them to lose. UCLA, like Hawaii, like you gotta be a fan of one of those teams to really care. Cause it's not even like two teams interesting to make it it's just your team's in it playing somebody yeah that's one of those games <laughs> nebraska making a bowl game or not is probably decided in, in week zero <laughs> like that that illinois game is that important to them if it's that, a conference like, game it's hard to find six games six winnable games on nebraska schedule that's a conference game too like it, it just seems like a very nebraska thing like oh the the eyes of the nation are on us because we're the biggest program playing in week zero. They're very anxious to play football. As we know about Nebraska, they're very, they want to play no matter what until the game starts. And then they're like, did we have to, 
I did. I did love that last year when the Big Ten schedule came out. And, you know, Nebraska was the team making all the noise in August and September about how they're going to go play in a different conference. or They're going to play no matter what. And finally someone told them, like, shut up and sit down. And uh, then when they did finally put the Big Ten schedule on, they're like, okay, you open with Ohio State at Ohio State. Go have fun. <laughs> and it was not fun for them. It was not fun for them. But Texas, the other, yeah, I see that you put on here that they play Louisiana. I'm guessing that's UL Lafayette. Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's an opportunity for that team to at least beat a big-name team. Uh, In Louisiana? I think, yeah, I know. It doesn't. They it ran doesn't, through the Big 12 last year. I mean, that would be a big win for Texas. I'm not going to allow beating Texas to mean they're a, a playoff team because Texas isn't. But it's a big-name school. That would that would be an opportunity for it. This is not the Cincinnati Notre Dame game. No, but it's a bit. It would be a big win for Texas. <laughs> I mean, that Louisiana <laughs> ran rough shot over is. the Big Twelve, and that's where Texas is. <laughs> That'd be a big win for Texas, avenging the Big Twelve after getting embarrassed by the Sun Belt last year. <laughs> they also play Arkansas. Wow, Texas might not be very good. Yeah, they got the new coach. They have a good six months where they don't fire them. They are All ranked right. 21. Oh, God. Yeah, they're right. overranked. I saw that. Um, JMU's poll came out for FCS. Team. They're ranked number two right behind Sam Houston State because I, repre- I, I care about education, so it's Sam Houston State. Okay. I'm just saying it out loud. We don't have to talk about it because it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Yeah, UCLA, Hawaii. Yeah, I was sorry about that. All right, that's it for the NCAA football talk. We're looking forward to that season getting going. But let's talk about Major League Baseball and the treasure chest that they found last Thursday. We, we told you all last week the Field of Dreams game was coming, and uh, <laughs> Major League Baseball cashed in. I mean, they set this thing up, and it, it took a lot of doing, and people were throwing shade at how much money was being spent. I saw so many Major League Baseball spending all this money to build a stadium to have one game and they could, you know, pay their minor leaguers a living wage. When you saw articles saying how happy Fox was about it with the ad money, that, that told you everything you needed to hear. And then all that pressure of we set all this up, we're spending all this money for something that is not necessary the game lived up. It was an entertaining baseball game. Every home run is just flying into the corn. There's lead change early, and then Chicago leads most of the rest of the game, but then right in the ninth inning, the Yankees hit two home runs to take the lead, but sure enough, Chicago steps up and hits a game winner. It's just Major League Baseball. That was a great moment for Major League Baseball, and I'm, I'm happy for the sport that I love to watch. I, I was happy for Major League Baseball that that worked out so well for them. Yeah, those people, though, are also people who don't understand business. That The money that went to build the stadium is not money that, if they don't spend it there, is going to go to the minor leaguers. No, like, no, I'm all for all. minor leaguers being paid more money than they're paid, but yeah, that's not where that, that money's going. So it's just people who are dumb and like to complain and get a like on Twitter or whatever, um, But which we'll talk about those people in a minute. But <laughs> um, I, doubt, I doubt Buster said anything bad about this game. well yeah it featured one of the teams he actually watches so but so what what was bad about the game because i just don't i haven't found it yet i think you can like i know i would have liked him to play on the actual field of dreams maybe make that dimension a little bigger and play on the actual field of dreams but um 
I, otherwise, I thought the game was fine. I thought, you know, if I'm being nitpicky, Kevin Costner maybe took a little bit too long to get to the mound. He's an actor. I, I could have, I didn't need it to be, you know, the length of Field of Dreams for him to make it to the mound <laughs> to start the game. But that's really the only negative that's out there. Yeah. I, I admitted that one. I said, okay, maybe he, he, he boated that up a little bit. But that's the, I, everything else just went perfect. The game itself the players, was great. And the players coming out of the corn was so cool. And like, they have all seen the clip from the movie, if not the whole movie. Some of them said they hadn't seen the whole movie. They know how to walk out of that corn and kind of, carry on that image it, it was cool it was fun i i don't want to see that game every single year i think it was a really cool one hitter um i know they've already committed to doing it next year and i'm like Mistake. am i as excited for that i don't i right now i'm not i was excited to watch this game and i stayed up and watched the whole game and it was chicago versus new york i guarantee you that thing is on thursday night played in one of their stadiums i don't even stop on the channel you're probably right uh, but i think you're right about it you're, you're definitely right about it. I don't think they should do it every year. I think mm-hmm. that's the reason it was such a big deal is it's a novelty item. If you play it every year, it doesn't become a novelty anymore. It's expected. It's a, it's a tradition then, and then it loses its touch. It's like the stadium series. When did we talk about the stadium series in hockey the most? When it started. Now it's yep. every, every year, and you know or sometimes this, I forget that it's happening. Out and ruined everything. Yeah, that, sometimes that I forget it's happening. <laughs> the London games. We talked about them when they were – new now it's just like oh yeah who's playing jacksonville in london this year like yeah ooh, i get a nine o'clock game yeah. and and they've <laughs> expanded the number of games to the point where i'm like i i don't even get up to watch them anymore because i'm like i've seen a game in london before i don't need to see it like it's two teams i don't want to watch so this it i would have watched it if they had put you know the diamondbacks versus the orioles or the diamondbacks versus the pirates I, because it was the first game so i would have watched it i think now you run into the the risk of you're trying to pick two teams that you think are going to be good. Um, they got lucky this year. The Yankees, despite not being as good as they usually are, are still battling for an all wild card spot. The White Sox are maybe the best team in the American League. So, and I, I, it was an exciting game. The Yankees came back in the ninth inning, took the lead off of a guy who led the AL in saves. And then the White Sox immediately come back and Zach Britton does, you know, his duty as a former Oriole one more time to hurt the Yankees and gives up a big blast to Tim Anderson. And I loved it. And I texted you when the Yankees got the lead. This game is lame. It was dumb. They should have played it on the real field of dreams. And then when Tim Anderson hit it, I was like, you know what? It was actually a pretty cool game. Um, That's but- what I bought it. You, you said it early when the Yankees started doing well. I said it late. Like, I was like, oh, shut up. And me and you were like doing our I'd seen it before arguing for no good like just making crap up and yeah arguing. and um and so it's funny like I'm laughing at those but then when the Yankees actually came back in the ninth I said to you I was like okay this game's stupid <laughs> like <laughs> yeah but I I I, I enjoyed it. it and um I thought it was when a great that night homer, for MLB audible yell from me when he hit that homer like oh it, you knew it was, it was just, gone too up into the awesome. corn but see here's where the, in the little the league game so good the little league game that was the night before you try to tell me they must have played more than one there this week that week but they joe buck had referenced it said yeah. it was played the night before no i, I found it we, yeah we, i found it we were good were but right. they um they had it on and they played on the actual field of dreams what i thought yep. was so cool when a kid hit a grand slam in that game, and the outfielder like went into the corn to go get it. And I was <laughs> like, "That's it. awesome. Yeah. That's cool." Yeah, um, yeah now, that, that was cool. And like you know, the thirteen-year-old hitting a homer into the cornfield. 
maybe the indication that the major it wasn't quite right for the major leagues to play over there. But yeah, like I, I mean, was, you say that, cool but we play at Yankee Stadium eighty-one times a year, and kids at Williamsport are hitting balls harder and getting them out. Where Yankee Stadium, they'd be a home run, they'd catch it, and it's an out at Williamsport. So I don't know. Um, we can't base all this on Danny Almonte. Come on. But I just think I, I thought for Major League Baseball that one night was a big win. It's a Huge it's a league that has PR problem after PR problem and is sometimes I think is trying to kill itself. But that one <laughs> night had it was a great night for baseball. I I like it because it obviously is going to get a lot of the old fan base that know the movie. And I know some people were like, oh, I mean, it's not even that great a movie. I don't care how great the movie oh is. God. It's just imagery from that movie and and things that live in baseball. You know it doesn't what? Matter how great the entire now, film is. Hold on, before it's you cool. go on, before you go on, the same people who are telling me Field of Dreams isn't great are telling me how the latest Marvel movie is some cinematic genius. Yeah, like, yeah, stop, no. okay? Marvel movies suck, and if you like Marvel movies, you're part of the problem in this country. There, I said it. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> We're tearing everybody apart tonight, or you are. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna uh, say it's not what me. I, it's me. <laughs> What's cool about that game is like even if you aren't as familiar with the entire film, you know enough. Like even if you're younger, you know enough. But then, okay, let's say you don't know what Field of Dreams is. You don't know who Kevin Costner is. Seeing him play out in the middle of Ford Field, it's just cool. It just looks cool. And that's what I liked about it. I think it brought everybody in. And I think you're going to have a lot of parents and kids sitting there watching that game together because the parents know the Field of Dreams. The kids might not. But everybody wants to look at that screen and thinks it's cool looking. I, I think that helps. So that obviously brought up the comparisons. I wish I would have tweeted uh, during the game because I said, you know, they just need to play in like a old suburb sandlot and have a dog out there. And if you hit a homer, they let the dog loose and you got to get chased by it. Like I, that's where I'm at. And then plenty of those jokes came on Twitter after the game. But like I couldn't come up with a good list of where else they should play games. But I started coming up with like just – cool like if you can build a field in a year or and i think this one was two years because they were going to be ready for last year and before it got canceled i think you just go to cool places go get colorado rockies to just go out like to the equivalent of the red rocks music uh amphitheater that they have there like an equivalent kind of thing like set it up where you're playing in the freaking mountains or in the grand canyon or something like pick cool things find a place to have a field where like mount rushmore is in the background and just do that for a game i think you're gonna uh, get you run into national it. park issues but okay i mean i think the national park would think it's pretty cool to i mean if, if there's an open no field, i'm not saying to no. down trees to make this happen no. but i'm saying like i could see the national park being like yeah we'll take some publicity about people coming to the to mount rushmore and how cool this place is like uh, if you're doubting that then you may not know business <laughs> No. Amy, Amy Poehler is going to have the national parks out, out there. <laughs> no. I don't think you change a national park for a baseball exhibition. There's parking lots on those national parks. Don't tell me there can't be a baseball field. No. I don't like that idea. I draw the okay, line there. But I think, it, it like, have Seattle play in a game where Mount Rainier is even more prominent in the background. Like, I, if you can set up these fields in a year or two, Start planning ahead and getting these set up. And if you can have one night at the August, the August special game, like I, I think that could be cool for Major League Baseball to have this every every year, but not necessarily in Iowa every year. I, I think it'd be cool. I just, to- I think what you touched on, they, they don't have that many options. 
I just think baseball cover. It's, it right it's a field that is so huge. It's a field that is so huge. Yeah, play on a beach. Play a game on a beach. I don't care. Backyard baseball. It play in somebody's backyard and hit it into the pool if it's a home run. I've played backyard baseball. That was cool. That's Arizona. <laughs> like, but I just think you know when you're looking, it's just harder, right? Like. Sports like football or basketball, you know, these are sports that can be played technically on like a aircraft carrier if you wanted. You can't play baseball on an aircraft carrier; it's not big enough, like, which is insane to think about. But I mean, wait a minute, wait a minute. They only had eight thousand seats there. There's how many different parks did we have? Baseball fields and the football fields in the same area? Like, I, how like? We're not take, talking some grand difference in space needing to be taken up for a yes, football game are. to happen than a baseball game to happen. In terms of square it's not, feet, it's a huge it's not difference. Some monumental difference. It's a huge difference. Man, I thinking about Oakland, thinking about former Pittsburgh, former Cincinnati, like football stadiums. You're rolling bleachers in. Okay, oh, I, I, I'm not arguing. They do do that, but it doesn't it, – it, it makes it square instead of like a triangle with a circle. Like, it's not another – it's not double the size. I don't think there's enough room to put a baseball field on an aircraft carrier, if that's what you're asking. I'm not asking for it to be on an aircraft carrier. You're the one that said that. I don't think they should play on an aircraft carrier. I think it's weird when they play basketball on an aircraft carrier. I think that's cool, though. I think that's what you're talking about, though. Like, that kind of novelty is what you're talking about. I think that's an idea that they can't do. staying on land I'm comfortable with. Mm, No. Play it on the moon. (laughs) Well, that's where (laughs) – You've already shot so many people up there and so many umpires up there. You'll you can carry the game easily. Yeah, Angel Hernandez can call that game on the moon. <laughs> but I I think they're going to run into problems there. Getting back to serious stuff. Uh, but I just think I just don't that know how many movies you can like make a make a special baseball game after. So I was trying to come up Major with Major League cool Two. Ideas. You could do Camden Yards. That's where that was filmed. <laughs> Yeah, have a gaming, have Cleveland play in, in Camden. That that would just that will let them be the home team. Really bring them be in. Major League Two night. <laughs> Although then there's the whole name change thing that comes up again. So um, <laughs> maybe not a good one. But yeah, I just uh, I don't know. I think maybe Major League Baseball has to keep doing it because that's the only option they have. I don't know. Uh, Atlanta, the Braves are coming on hot in the National League. They have retaken first place after the Phillies had it for about a a hot second. Um, but I think when you're looking at baseball and I, I saw someone bring this up, you know, you and I have just kind of assumed the three, uh, the two wild cards are going to be whoever doesn't win the NL West, but the Padres have a much more difficult schedule than the Cincinnati Reds who are Mm -hmm. nipping at their heels for that wild card spot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The Reds get to play the pirates a bunch and other crappy central teams. And San Diego has to play the Dodgers and giants a bunch. Oh, the good thing is the Padres, they got Tatis back. But, you know, they're trying to find pitching. You Darvis just went on the DL. I mean, the Padres hopefully can wake up here, but it's going to – you're right. They do have a tougher schedule, and and holding on to that second wild card is their only hope. Yeah, and the Reds are going to be playing, you know, crappy Pittsburgh, a bunch. And the Cubs. And the Cubs. 
Cubs and Pittsburgh, I think, combined. Or no, no, it was the Nationals and Cubs combined are like one and 19 over the last 10 games for mm-hmm. each of those teams. And Pittsburgh, I think, is right there too. So, yeah, it's, it's not good. I hear you. All right. Um, Atlanta's the one that surprised me. You, you already said that, but they, they're surprising me. Last week we talked about Philadelphia. We had John on, but Atlanta was right on their heel, you know, right keeping pace. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. They actually now are leading to that division. I just, it surprises me. I thought Acuna was going to, you know, losing Acuna was just going to kill them, and, and they're playing well without him. That shows a well-coached team for sure. Yeah, I think the thing with Atlanta has been that it's a team that has lots of young talent. We were kind of expecting them to be near the top all season long, and it's taken them a little bit to get going. But they have the talent. Acuna getting hurt has hurt them. But they also have other players. Austin Riley has really stepped up for the Braves, and I think that's been a key, key difference uh, for Atlanta when you look at the other teams in the NL East. Like, who who on the Phillies is going to be that player that really separates them? Who on, uh, excuse me, the Mets is going to be that that guy that gets in there? And also, you, I mean, again, not to just crap on a franchise for historical performances, but you just kind of feel like the Mets are going to met it up and, and not be able to close this thing out. Like, when you look at the Braves, it's Austin Riley, it's Freddie Freeman, it's Ozzie Albies. Like, that's a pretty, pretty good lineup. And you're comparing it to the Phillies and the Mets lineup, which maybe has one or two guys, but not nearly the same number of guys that this Braves lineup has. Yeah. And the Braves' yeah. pitching isn't bad, so I, I think... I like the Braves to win this division. Now that they've put it all together, I think they can. I mean, it's yeah. I I'm not I'm not counting any of those three teams. I mean, Philadelphia and the Mets and the Braves. I'm not counting any of them out. Um, Braves are who I'd more like to see, just because I was kind of I was on the Braves what last year, the year before last. I was kind of pumping the Braves. Mm-hmm. I like Acuna. Um, but, you know, we have friends of the podcast that would like one of those other two teams to win. That that wouldn't be the worst thing, but uh, I still think we're, we're still looking to the West for who's going to come out of the NL anyway. I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing, but if we can avoid it, we probably should. No offense to John, but I just... <laughs> no, it's offensive to John. You've offended him. That's it. Well, we talked about the special game being played out in Iowa. We have another special game in Major League Baseball being played on Sunday, and that's where uh, Cleveland and the Angels will play in Williamsport at the minor league park, and all the Little League kids from across the river will come over and watch them play because uh, the Little League World Series, series gets started Thursday, and it'll go for 10 days. And the interesting thing about the Little League World Series this year, it wasn't played last year, so they're happy to get back at it, but no international teams are coming. So basically, all those games that are showing Saturday and Sunday for region finals, both those teams get to come, and they split it up into two divisions. There's the Hank Aaron division and the Tom Seaver division, and uh, they spread it out equally where half of the first-place teams and second-place teams and the other side gets the other half. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see just just American teams playing in it. Um, I don't know. I, I like seeing the, the international teams there, too. Um, so I, I don't like that that's not there, which just can't happen this year with COVID and stuff. But um, it's good that they're having the tournament, that things have gone in a way that they can get that tournament going. 
hopefully that all goes well. And uh, I mean, as much as I have moments with Little League Baseball that I kind of cringe about when they're just, you know, zooming in on the crying kid and all that, like, I'd still turn it on. So, like, as much as I yell at people when people say, you know, they shouldn't be showing this or they shouldn't be showing that about other stuff, I, I kind of say it about Little League sometimes, and then I still watch it. So, I, I'm not I'm not above that. I, I still find it interesting to what these kids are doing, and usually there's a storyline or two that'll catch my eye. You know, the Monet Davis year or, you know, the Danny Almonte when he was – dominant before we found out he was older than everybody else. I, I, there's something that'll catch my eye and, and I'll watch it. I did not know they had doubled the teams and there were no international teams this year. It makes sense. I didn't know that. Um, I probably won't watch. I've watched very little of the regionals. Um, there's no Virginia team. That's what I was hoping for. Yeah. I was going to say, that's really the only thing that's going to get me right. Is if it's a team that maybe is from my home state or whatever, uh, but if, if there's a kid that comes on there and says he, he he's there to hit Daners, I'll probably watch that. Oh, kid. that kid's going to be <laughs> no. Um, but the little league game that you mentioned, or I guess the Williamsport game is another prime example of like something that the first time it happened, it got a lot of buzz, got a lot of, I loved attention. it. Both Pittsburgh playing in it. <laughs> but now I like when you were like, Oh, it's another game that they're playing. I was like, Oh yeah, I guess. Like I yeah. forgot that that's a thing major yeah. league baseball is doing. Like, it's, I, and I just feel like that's going to be the Field of Dreams game, and that's going to be sad when that happens. It'll probably be next year. I'll be like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I think – I'm not against the game happening in Williamsport, but, yeah, it doesn't have to buzz. Like, I think it's cool for the Little Leaguers to be around the Major League Baseball players because, I fine. mean, they come yeah. over to the Fair. stadium, and they're watching the game, and they're interacting. I think that's a cool thing. I'm not, I'm not against it, and I think we should that's be. the reason to keep this going. It's just so those kids – it's an additional part of that uh, thing. I don't know if you need to bring in Cleveland and the Angels – you know, Pittsburgh's close enough or Philadelphia, somebody in Pennsylvania, just send them over there yearly or cycle it between the two is fine. But I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not against it happening, but I'm also, it's not drawing me into watch it either. I I think that's the fair point on what you had. It brings in Mike Trout. That's why the angels are there and the Indians are there because they thought they would be better. Cleveland. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) All right. Let's get out of here. We don't, we don't have an interview this week. Let's just jump to the D block. D block time here on the Exports podcast. Joe, I'll lead us off here with what's dominating my life. And that is on Netflix. I watched the Malice in the Palace documentary that was made on there. And, uh, you know, like the 30 for 30s on ESPN and, and HBO makes these two. They, they're taking events that have definitely happened during my um, adult or close to adult um, sports fandom, and they're making documentaries about it. And on, on a lot of them, I think I find out a lot more about the subject uh, than what I knew before. And I know with, with the Jordan stuff, there was so many different aspects I didn't know before I had watched that. Um, and there's a lot of examples in 30 for 30s. I thought this was really well done. I, I enjoyed it. It was an hour long. They really prime it up that, hey, we have this raw footage that was never released to the public. And we, we have all these details. And we're going to exp- uh, you know, expand on this in a different way than you've ever heard before. And really, like, it seems like it's coming at the defense of the players. Um, I think when I watched it live... Uh, I was, I know where I was sitting, whose apartment I was in, 
who was around me, who wasn't, who quickly was around me. I know that whole story. So I really remember this happening live. And so I, and I really remember the coverage ever all the way after. I watched this documentary and I don't think I look at it any different than I did before. The players are wrong that went into the stands. You can't, you can't do that. But it was egged on by the fans. And I thought that that night, that night when they're showing the zoomed in video of the fan throwing the cup, when they, and it shows Ron Artest going up in the stands and attacking the wrong guy. I, I knew that that night. I, and, and obviously the weeks after. So, you know, maybe the first night I didn't have it all figured out, but I've never really thought about looking back at that thought, oh, these players are just terrible and they went into the stands and it's all on them. I always thought if it wasn't for that cup hitting Ron Artest, none of that happens. It, it all started with the fan. And they really try to make that argument and drive that home in this. And I just, for me, for how I took it in when it happened the first time, I, I didn't need that. Still thought it was interesting. Still thought it's worth watching. I don't, I don't think it's something to skip, even if that's how you view the situation already. Because it's interesting to hear what these players say about it. You're still going to hear uh, Steven Jackson be Steven Jackson and say crazy things. You're going to still see Ryan Artest, and you're going to dive into how he's just different than most of us. Um, it's also just hard to watch Ron Artest, you know, listen and watch Ron Artest sit there and talk and not be reminded so much of Dennis Rodman. I know they both had on-the-court drama and misbehavior, but it, I think their brains fire in a similar way. Just the way they form sentences and, and, and communicate thoughts is just in the same pace that it's really, I think it'd be really interesting for someone to dig in on that because it's, there's so much similarity. And I know Rodman is, you know, off the court, a lot different than Ron Artest, I would say. I, I, but on the court, they had some parallels. And um, I don't know. I thought it was good. I think Jermaine uh, O'Neal was one of the executive producers. So he had a lot of time to kind of defend himself because he's kind of the one that this documentary says lost the most from that. And I think you, you can understand how that it could be a viewpoint. Um, well, he's behind it. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, he initially got suspended for more games than, and then ended up getting brought back. And um, I don't know. He was really the one that seemed like he was, like, defending his honor the most. Um, I think the other guys took it a little bit. Well, you know, like, the, the weird one, that, the weird thing that I, I think I had maybe not remembered all the way was Ron Artest in the locker room after it turned into one of the guys and being like, are we going to get in trouble for this? Like just hearing those guys reaction to that was pretty, like that was my most entertaining point of that. Cause it was like <laughs> crazy dude. Like <laughs> we're probably all done. And I mean, Ron Artest was for the season, but I don't know. And also how those players relationships amongst each other changed going into it and coming out of it. I thought was interesting. Uh, but Overall, the way it's built, I just didn't take away. I don't think I got from it what they were intending me to get from it. But um, it was still good. It was still well done. And, uh, you know, I'll watch another thing made by those guys, again, you know, made by that production company because it, it was well done. Yeah, I, I've I heard a lot about that uh, through Levitard. And actually, I'd heard the Ron Artest story before because uh, yeah. I think Steven Jackson was who he was talking to. And Steven Jackson came on Levitard to talk about it. And so years ago, he told that story on Levitard about yeah. Ron Artest talking that to him and where saying, I knew it from too previously. Yeah. yeah saying like, Hey, are we going to, do you think we're going to get in trouble for this? And Steven Jackson's like, yeah, we're lucky if they let us back in the building. Um, but 
Yeah, so uh Oh. But yeah, this is this is Jermaine O'Neal's story and um you know, the reason he said and he was on Levitard talking about it last week promoting it, but he said it's something that like legally he couldn't speak about it when it was going on because yeah. there were still court cases going on years after the incident, uh, civil suits and all that. And so he just legally couldn't speak about it. So now he finally is able to speak about it and tell his side of the story. And so he's putting it out there. But yeah. you mentioned the cup. I mean, this weekend at the Rams Chargers preseason game, there is a brawl in the oh, crowd yeah. that is started by some woman throwing a cup of stuff throwing a cup of whatever at a guy, and then it ensues a brawl in the stands. So it's, I mean, people are people. Uh, uh, I'll let you go before I say yeah. something that's going to lose us more listeners. <laughs> One thing I don't think I really knew about, uh, and I think I'd seen the video, but just kind of putting it all together, these, these cops come onto the field. They you come at, from outside Court. the building into the building. There's only like three police officers in the place during the game or something, some ridiculous low number. And these guys come rushing in, and they rush on the court. And immediately, you know, they're trying to get the players separated from the fans. And one guy gets in, like, Reggie Miller's face, like, who are you? Why are you down here? And I'm like, has the cop never watched a basketball game before? And it's like, he doesn't know who Reggie Miller is. Yeah, at that time, especially. Like, it's Reggie Miller. Like, He's in a full uniform. This No, I mean, he's in a suit. He's in a oh, suit. He's oh, oh, oh. But he's, like, helping the players off the field. He's like, God covering a guy's face and all of a sudden the cops like in his face with mace and it's like whoa it's this six seven well-dressed athletic person standing next to all the other guys that are in uniform maybe he belongs i was just like you never watched basketball before if you don't know reggie miller in 1999 or what year was that uh i was gonna say it could have been in 99 if reggie miller was a coach 2004 wasn't it 2004 it's hard to believe that he hasn't been playing that I was long. in college, so, yeah, it was in 99. It was 2004 or 5. Um, yeah, like, you just don't – what are you doing? It's hard to believe that Reggie be Miller's a, been out of the game that long. You shouldn't be a cop. He was hurt. He came back that season, but that was his last year. Uh, you shouldn't be a cop entering a basketball stadium if you don't know who Reggie Miller is. It's the same guy that didn't know who Patrick Ewan was in <laughs> New York. You're working security for the Knicks. You don't know who Patrick Ewan is. Well, you probably shouldn't be working at Madison Square <laughs> Garden. Yeah, shouldn't be there. Oh, uh, one interesting thing too from this—I uh, did not know this—that uh, Tim Donaghy is one of the one of the main referees in the middle of this. <laughs> I'm sure the NBA loves his name being brought back up. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean they're interviewing him and stuff. And I'm like, woo! <laughs> I'm sure Adam Silver's threatening lawsuits now as we speak. All right. So, what's dominating your life? Oh, uh, you know the national writers. The Orioles played the Yankees and the Red Sox here the past couple weeks, so the national writers are reminded that the Baltimore Orioles are a Major League Baseball team and that the Baltimore Orioles are the greatest crime to ever happen into baseball. Buster, only uh, Tuesday morning uh, at 6.17 a.m. decided... That's when he just got done milking some cows. Yeah. Well, I I guess one of the cows kicked him in the head because he seemed to forget what the word unprecedented means. Uh, when he said that the Orioles are on pace to lose 106 games this season, and in their previous two full seasons, they lost 115 and 108 games in 2018 and 2019. This is unprecedented in AL history. When the Players Union cites non-competitive behavior, the Orioles could be Exhibit A. It's just wrong. I guess he forgets that the Pittsburgh Pirates are a Major League Baseball team. Now, they don't play the Red Sox or the Yankees all that often, so I'm sure he does forget they're a Major League Baseball team. Because those are the only two teams that Buster no, only will get, actually watch. From us. They get 
The Yankees get players from us. Yeah, but that's the only time he remembers. <laughs> and then he's just like, oh, well, they're, you know, they had to give him to the Yankees because that's who I like. Um, and that's who I watch. They're the only baseball team outside of the Boston Red Sox that exist. Um, so, it, again, he's totally forgetting that the Houston Astros, who are a good team now, exist because they had 300 lost seasons all of 10 years ago. And now they're a dynasty in the American League. So I guess that's odd. Uh, in the National League, there are examples of this as well. So, uh, again, for a national writer like Buster only to forget what the word unprecedented means was pretty shocking. But then again, he does it again today because we just got done with a series with the Boston Red Sox over the weekend. So How'd that go? Uh, well, we got swept, but that's fine. Um, that's, not the, that's not the point. <laughs> the point is that Buster only again takes a swipe the Orioles in August, one win, 12 losses, 43 runs scored, 100 run, 111 runs allowed. The team's run differential at the season is now negative 201, which technically nothing he's saying there is wrong. It's all facts. But it just he's doing it to poke Orioles fans who were dunking on him because he's dumb and forgot what the word unprecedented means. I'm sorry, Buster. I'm not the idiot who tweeted that at 617 in the morning. You are. Take it up with yourself. Look in the mirror and be like, oh, I forgot what the word unprecedented means. Oh, I forgot what a rebuild is. That's on me. That's not everyone else's fault for calling me out for being an idiot. That's on me. And I'm like this other guy who tweet replied to him, and it was exactly right. When the Orioles still had Manny Machado and were contending, you called on them to trade him a year and a half before his free agency, essentially dropping out of competition willingly, while, by the way, we were still in a playoff race then, doing it the buster-only way that he wants us to do it now. Now you're calling him out for tanking. You can't have it both ways. But here's the thing. He does want it both ways. Folks, let's get down to brass tacks here. I keep mentioning he only knows the Red Sox and the Yankees because those are the two teams he likes. He doesn't like the Orioles. He doesn't like the Rays. He hates when teams compete with these teams and beat his favorite big market baseball, good for baseball teams. He's like the insufferable people when Leland get, talks about blue bloods in college football and gets my blood boiling and I scream at him for just only knowing the brand names and not recognizing talent when he's seeing it in other programs. I don't watch much Ohio Bobcat football. That's Buster that. only is doing the same thing with Major League Baseball. I know Red Sox. I know Yankees. I know Dodgers. These are the teams I grew up on. These are the teams that will always be good and should always be good. They're the only teams. We should really only have three teams in Major League Baseball and we rotate. We play a round robin and we figure out who's the champion. Or Buster only shuts the hell up, and if Major League Baseball wants to get a salary cap floor like Buster only seems to be pitching for, that's fine. But you have to introduce this hard salary cap so his boys, the Yankees and the Red Sox, can't go spend a billion dollars every year and the Dodgers. Is he hiding behind his American League unprecedented thing? Like is, there, is there not? Are they, are they really in the American League, or is it, is it really? I just wonder, is that, is that what is argument is like? you know, a word like the AL because the NL it's happened. I mean, and we see other teams doing, I mean, the, the Arizona is like, doing well, right okay, now. here's like, the big separation, terrible. Leland. Here's the big separation. The separation is one game. The Detroit Tigers had a span where they lost a hundred games, three out of five years. And two of those other years were 99. That's the bit. That's where we're drawing the line. If the Orioles only lose 99 games this year, they're fine in Buster Olney's eyes. No, he's going to dunk on us anyway. Cause he hates the Baltimore Orioles. Buster only only pays attention to the Baltimore, or Baltimore Orioles, and this goes for John Heyman and all these other knuckle-dragon dum-dums 
who write about Major League Baseball and the game has passed them by and they don't understand what baseball is now and you have to rebuild. They don't understand anything outside of the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Dodgers. They think everyone should spend money. The Baltimore Orioles should be the Seattle Mariners. We should play for 500 and go 20-plus years without ever being in the playoffs, which is the longest drought in professional sports in North America right now. It belongs to the Seattle Mariners. That's what we should strive for. Which, here's another thing, Buster. 2018, that first year we lost 115 games, which was the worst lost total out of that little three-year span you're talking about. That was the year we tried. That was the year we spent money on free agents, Alex Cobb and Andrew Kashner, and they both whiffed. We should have traded Manny Machado before that year even started and not signed Alex Cobb and Andrew Kashner and started the rebuild for real in 2018. Instead, we didn't start it until halfway through, and we didn't really start it then because we still had a clown in Dan Duquette running our front office, and you didn't get good enough prospects for Manny Machado. So we ended up getting horse crap. And we lost one of our best players in our franchise history for nothing. And now we're entering a rebuild. We're investing in the international market. Our farm system is ranked number one by Fangrass, number two by Baseball of America. We have the number one prospect in terms of position players. We have the number one prospect in terms of pitchers in Major League Baseball. So again, Buster only, it's working. So shut the hell up. And when we're good in two to three years, please don't be a professional baseball writer anymore because I don't care. You've lost all of your integrity and your knowledge of the game. You know who I do respect? Tim Kirchin. Because Tim Kirchin, while he can see things he doesn't like in baseball, he says this is the way the game is now. Tim Kirchin hates the boomer bust home run or strikeout. But he goes, you know what? It's what teams are doing now because they see the math behind it and the math works. I hate the shift. But you know what? Teams are getting outs. There's less hits because teams are getting more outs because of the shift. So it works. You don't have to like it, but it doesn't mean it's bad strategy. You don't have to like that the Orioles are going into the tank and have the 29th payroll the last two years and are trying to rebuild the farm system from nothing. But guess what? It works. Mike Elias came from the Houston Astros organization. Is it a huge shock that we hired a guy that came from that organization and he's doing the same thing here? No, not really. Do you have trash cans laying around and stuff? Maybe. Maybe if we cheat. I tell you what, we would get a lot less crap from the national media if we cheated and won a World <laughs> Series than what we're doing right now. And that's the problem. Where was Buster Olney's big, this is a crime against baseball. How could they let the Houston Astros skate and keep their trophy and not punish them? Oh, my gosh, I'm Buster Olney, and I care about the integrity of the game. Buster Olney can go take a freaking cold shower and shut the hell up. I don't care for Buster Olney anymore. That I'm man, so I, he's lost all him respect. Him and John Heyman have lost. They, they're both not invited to the parade. When we win the World Series, Buster Olney and John Heyman have to delete their Twitters and stop talking about baseball forever. Is that a, like, when you guys parade in Baltimore, is that on the roads, or do you guys get paddle boats outside of the... Uh, oh, that would be cool if we had an Inner Harbor outside, thing. Yeah, the Inner Harbor. We get a little paddle boat, everybody on paddle boats outside of the... Uh, I'd be down for that. Aquarium. I'd be down for an Inner Harbor parade. There you go. Buster Ravens, Olney and John Heyman the can't be there. Won championships. They, they paraded. They, they can't be there unless we make them walk the plank and jump into the Inner Harbor. And I don't know what filth is in the Inner Harbor, but I'd be okay. I'd risk their health for that. I'm I don't okay think I'd even that. get on a paddle boat because of the filth. Yeah, I, I'd be willing to risk their health if that's how they want to attend the parade. <laughs> I think I think somehow he's hiding behind that AL thing. I was looking at the Tigers here, and it, it, 
I'm not seeing exactly the math that you were saying. I, I am seeing the Orioles worse. The Astros, though, are right there, are right there. It's just only one of those years was in the AL. I, it's not unprecedented. I agree with that immediately. I don't love this approach. I think it's nice to look at these other teams that have taken a different approach. The San Francisco Giants were old and bad just a, like two years ago, and they kind of made a commitment to turn it around and look at them this year. Like, they've already jumped back up. Like, you wish you could do that. The difference with the Orioles is they didn't have, like, enough to build from, and they had no international um, system set up. And San Francisco did. And so I just think it's Buster not like digging enough and, and like, let, let Baltimore stink for two more years before you say something like this. And in two years, the Orioles are still in last place. Rip them up. Rip now, them I've up. said that. I, feel, I have I feel said, like that's what I've had arguments did. with they other were, people about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've had. A- and Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just, I think the 76ers in basketball, they were down too long. And finally the NBA stepped in and like, you got to go. You got to do something. You keep getting these number one draft picks. You're, you are having a little bad luck with injuries. So, like, we get it. But, like, it, you, you got to go. You got to be competitive or you got to, you know, <laughs> we got to do something because this isn't good for our league. I, you're not there with the Orioles. And the way Buster's approaching it is that this is an issue that needs to be dealt with. It does not. Another two or three years of it, okay, then we start talking about what are we doing here. But at the same time, go get the Pirates while you're doing it because I'm watching it happen right there. The Arizona Diamondbacks are doing it right now. Like, or, or change the system and stop yelling about the Orioles and argue about the system. Don't hate the player, hate the game. I think that's that's where we got to on this one. Yeah, and, and again, for me, it's just, it's aggravating when I see this because I'm just like, all right, dude, like, what are we talking about here? You're acting like it's never happened in the history of baseball before. And I, I, unfortunately, I've been a baseball fan, so I know it has. Like, I've seen it work other places. The Cubs sucked forever. Yeah, they had a... Then they turned into a good team. The Braves stunk for a while. They rebuilt their farm system, got prospects, and then they're now they're good again. Other teams do this all the time. The Tigers stunk for a long time, got some prospects, yeah. got good. Now they're stinking again. But... It's okay. It happens. And I, I, I just think this crazy notion, when the Orioles said going into last year, hey, we're entering the rebuild, or 2019, excuse me, we're entering, our, we're entering a rebuild period. 2019 was the first full season. 2020 doesn't, almost doesn't even count because it's a COVID-shortened year, and you can't really develop prospects because there's no minor leagues going on. So I'm like, all right, so we've had one and a half years of a rebuild and you're stunned that the Orioles haven't completely turned it around when they're starting from scratch. Yeah. I guess you just don't know how baseball works, Buster. And if that's the case, why are you here? Also this terrible team that is terrible for baseball has been to only one less ALCS than your precious New York Yankees. So can we kill the New York Yankees for underachieving or can we fire Brian Cashman? Can I see the article where Brian Cashman is terrible for baseball because he can't figure it out with a billion dollar payroll? I really hope they don't get in the playoffs this year. I, I think your immediate comparison to the Tigers, too, is that they had just come off of, like, four straight years of AL championship series experience, uh, appearances and a World Series appearance. Like, the Orioles were not coming off as much success when they, when they bought into this. So I think just that, that difference kind of softens it a little bit. We um, were in the playoffs in 2012. We barely missed in 2013. We were in the ALCS in 2014. I think we just missed out on the playoffs in 2015, 2016. I think we were just missing out 
or was that the year? No, that was the year we lost in the wild card. 2017, we just missed out. 2018, we tried to get in again, and then we stunk. 2017, you didn't just miss out. You were fifth. Were we fifth? I'm looking at it right now. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't just know it offhand. You were 18 games out and finished fifth. All right. Fair. 28, but we were trying in 2017. We were doing it the Buster only way. In 2018, we doubled down to try to do it the Buster only way and did even worse. So I, I guess Buster only just shut up. Again, I just think Buster only should be quiet yeah. and just stop talking because he's an idiot. I do think he's wrong. What do you know that we need to know other than how much Anything I hate Buster, Buster only. only. <laughs> well, I've been watching you on Twitter all week and just kind of laughing. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> Although I did just, say my on team's Twitter. just as bad, so I don't really have anything different to say. It's I just, did say on Twitter, I do miss when I was just angry at Buster only this morning because <laughs> some other stuff has happened. But um, There's other stuff happening? Yeah, we won't talk about world? that. But oh we'll talk about the other. Well, this is what I mean. Uh, the, the English Premier League is back. That's what's going on. Nothing else. Um, We're going overseas to talk about something important. We are. Soccer. EPL is back. <laughs> I made some money on the Liverpool opening match. That was nice. Could have made some more money if those oil barons over at Manchester City had held up their end of the bargain, but they lost to Tottenham. Killing oil? The, what are you saying about oil? Killing my uh, three-leg parlay. Uh, that one doesn't have oil. But um, Tottenham... Played a good match. They beat Manchester City. But I think the biggest surprise of all opening matches in the Premier League, and I sent this to you, Brentford, in the Premier League for the first time in 75 years, went out and took down Arsenal, one of the traditional big six clubs, in their first match, which good for Brentford. It's not going to last. They're going to not... I hope they don't get relegated when they're in the league for their first time in 75 years for their fans' sake. But it's a possibility. Uh, Liverpool, I think, is positioned well this year. Despite losing their opener, Manchester City's going to be competitive. Chelsea's going to be competitive. I, I am excited about this Premier League season. It's finally back. Liverpool got it done against Norwich City, scoring three goals. Uh, I had the I had Liverpool winning. I had 3 nothing as the score, which was the score. And on that third goal... Mo Salah scored again. He scores for the fifth straight year in the opener for Liverpool. Awesome. <laughs> Get excited about the English Premier League, folks. Get cultured. Anyway, Leland, uh, what do you know that we need to know? I liked a Fox Sports tweet last mm. week. It says, you can pick an injury-free free career for one NFL player, past or present. Who's your guy? I think there's an obvious answer, and so I'm going to present to you Bo Jackson. Yeah. I, he played 87 to 90. He got to play baseball longer because of the way his uh, hips and everything were able to take on baseball better than the contact sport of football. But, yeah, I think if you could have Bo Jackson, I just – most entertaining football player uh, – I, I, you know, I think it'd be awesome. I, I think that's the number one answer. Twitter obviously went to that quickly, but when I read the question, I was like, oh, Jackson. But I know I'm a little bit older than you. So, like, when you heard the question, is there another guy that went through your head? Bo Jackson definitely went through my head. The first one that popped in my head when you sent it was Michael Vick. I know he also had something else that kind of stunted his career, but he also had that injury 
uh, in that preseason game where he missed a whole year because Ray Lewis snapped his ankle. Um, and he came, and they came back fire. Whew. I just would have liked to have seen him if he hadn't gotten hurt. I'd also like him to see him if he hadn't gotten that legal trouble. But yeah, if, if no dogs got hurt, that would be the that big, would be even better. <laughs> but <laughs> that's that's what really took football away from us, Michael Vick. Yeah, I mean the injury. He came back after the injury was awesome. But he like, was. I think he also had a couple other injuries in his NFL career that I just would have liked to have seen if that hadn't happened. I think if he hadn't had the legal trouble and didn't have those injuries. I think we are talking about, you know, I mean, we talk about Lamar Jackson and he's doing stuff that no one's ever seen before, which I guess people just didn't see Michael Vick play that say that. But because that's the guy who I honestly like I hadn't seen that before at the NFL. I hadn't really seen it before at college and he did it at college. So yep. and, and there, somebody tweeted out the SI cover he was on going into his sophomore year at Virginia Tech saying, you know, changing the quarterback position. And he kind of has. So, I mean. Scrambling quarterbacks are now more prevalent than they were before Michael Vick. I know I Donovan McNabb really was a cool. thing, but Donovan McNabb didn't have that electric speed that Michael Vick had. That's the difference that Michael Vick brought was the electricity. Uh, just the way that he ran the football and was able to throw the ball such a great distance. I mean, there was other running quarterbacks long before Michael Vick. I mean, Steve Young did a lot of running and, and, and stuff like that. But didn't it's have that speed. The, the electricity that Michael Vick brought and – uh just the eye for the big play and, and some of the chances he took and it probably caused some of those injuries, you know, like that, that's what that's, I, I, Michael Vick isn't the first one I thought of, cause I just don't look at injury as what kept him from us. Um, but that's an interesting thing. I mean, if you're talking about, you know, who would you like to see play a full career that didn't get to play a full career? I think Michael Vick quickly jumps up that list for everybody. So, uh, but you know, injury only Bo Jackson, so then I started thinking about our local teams. So we'll talk about the football team first. I think, I think it's hard to look past RG3. I know, you know, he wasn't as, um, you know, he wasn't a six foot five quarterback and, and all that, but like he had a, some of that electric stuff. He had that track speed and he had the good ability and he really had like the one, maybe two years of, of him being what he could be for, for DC before, you know, injuries kept him out and he was never the same since. I think, I think a lot of football team fans would probably look to him because that was when I kind of believe, I thought the football team could be headed in a better direction with RJ. I mean, he sold me. I, I thought, oh, okay, you, you finally have something here, guys. Like all my friends that are Washington fans, hey, you got something here. I, I don't disagree. I, I, or I do, uh, yeah, double negative. I agree that he's a good football player like this will be fun and they were fun to watch and he was a good player I, I think that's a of recent history I think that's a quick one to throw out for the football team I, I can't think of it I know Joe Theismann's career ended because of an injury but I, he'd already had a solid career so I, I just don't I go in there I don't know for that team if I can think of another I, maybe a Washington football team fan that would like to tweet at us will throw something out at me but that's that's what I got for Washington yeah, I kind of think you're right there. And, you know, when I know you have Baltimore here. I'm trying to think. I mean, I know it I seems like for you. You, you do have one. I couldn't think of one for you. I, I was going to say, I can't think of any either because I just – it feels like we always have our secondary decimated. But um, I don't know of one particular person I'd pick and be like, yeah, that guy would have made, you know, all mm-hmm. the difference in the world. Um, I don't know. I can't – I really couldn't come up with anybody for Baltimore that – I feel like you guys missed out on because you're always good. You're consistently good. I mean, same as the Steelers. That's why it's a great rivalry. They're most of the time always 
pretty good. Even when one team's not a Super Bowl contender, they're both pretty good and they, they battle. Um, but I just couldn't think of that guy you're missing. For, for Pittsburgh, for my side of the rivalry, and, uh, you know, um, prisoner of, of recent history, but Shazier, like he was a 15th pick out of Ohio State, top-level linebacker, performing well in the, at the NFL level. We were really going to build a defense around that guy and, and, and him going out. And it was a serious injury. And, and I think that kind of weighs on me more, too, is that, I mean, you're happy that guy's alive. It's awesome to see him walk. I think that's that's part of what's in my head with him, and and it's great the the progress is he's he's made. But I I would have liked to seen that play out. I think um, you know it's not like we've been that far from a contender since then, and I think having him in the mix could have could have changed a year or two there where maybe we go further and see what happens. Um, so it's a shame for him personally, but yeah, as a fan, you know you wish you could have seen what he did. I couldn't think anybody older. You know I couldn't think anybody from from the previous years that I, I think injuries completely took us out from so that that's what I had there I you know jumping sports Griffey is always a guy I come up with that I think Griffey played baseball at, at its best he, he played the best baseball of anybody ever for for a short period of time I think if he could have had more time to do that he he'd be known as the greatest baseball player of all time he'd have more home runs he'd, he'd have kept playing great defense um, but those injuries ate him up in Seattle and I think that was part of like needing that change of change of pace and go into Cincinnati. I don't think he goes to Cincinnati. If, if he stays on that trajectory, he's at in Seattle. I think he stays there. Uh, I think he can say injury free, but you know, I, he's still a hall of famer and known as one of the greatest as it is. So I, you know, what really was lost there, but you know, I, it just would have been fun. I mean, he was my favorite baseball player of all time. So it's easy to point to that. Orioles have a couple there. I mean, you could, you could look at Albert Bell. You could look at if Cal Ripken Ryan Roberts, play more games, you know, yeah, if Cal Ripken hadn't been such a bum and took so many days off. Um, but, you know, you seriously, Albert Bell? Albert Bell was one that we signed and he immediately got hurt. I mean, almost oh immediately got hurt. It was career ending injury. It would have been nice to see what he could have done because that was us spending money. That was when we spent money. I just um, always think of him as an Indian. So I don't I don't relate. I know because he never got to play. Right I think he played like maybe half um, a season, maybe one. But. He didn't play long in Baltimore. Um, Brian Roberts is a guy who was constantly injured there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but those are the ones that come to mind for me uh, in recent Orioles um, basketball. I think you know uh, one that pops up. Chris Bosh had that heart condition. I don't know if you count that as an injury or not, but I mean that. No. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. That's injury. That's health related. I mean, Albert Bell played 100. He played like a full season, and then he only missed 20 games of the other season. I think you're remembering Albert Bell a little, Ron. He, he ended his career with a career-ending injury, sure, but he had played a full season before that and 141 games before that. Oh, well, we signed him to do a big deal, and he didn't play most of that deal. Yeah, That's what yeah, I know. yeah. Um, But, yeah. He those 60 home runs as a, as a Baltimore Oriole, so. Would have been nice. Um, Would have been nice to have two more years of that. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, well, on that cheery note, we'll wrap it up for this week's Yak Sports podcast. We will be back next week. We'll be talking about the preview of high school football, hopefully getting ready yeah, we for are. all 10 teams getting ready to play. Or not all 10 teams, but seven, seven of our teams. Uh, let's add three more for fun. Um, I don't have previews ready for three more teams. 
Yeah, we can <laughs> add three more. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> hopefully all – what I was thinking was ten games. I'm already worried about the season. Hopefully all seven of our teams get to play ten games this year at least and then add the playoffs for those that are good enough. Um, but you can subscribe to us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Share us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod. Facebook, we're at Yak Sports Pod. And be sure to comment. Tell us what you think of the upcoming college football season. Who do you like? Who did we not give enough credit to? Who did we give too much credit to? Uh, who do you like to win these conferences? Something Leland and I didn't do that I guess we'll do later is our predictions. But yeah. um, We can wait till after week zero for that. Yeah, that's true. That'll be quicker. I don't think week zero will change our opinions. Mm. I don't know. Nebraska, sneaky dark horse for a Big Ten champ. But um, they, uh, no offense to Dan, but your team sucks. <laughs> but be sure. If they keep their coach this season, it's a win. Be sure to comment on Twitter or Facebook and tell us your thoughts on anything we talked about or things that we didn't talk about that we should. Uh, and we will be back next week with more local coverage of the sports you, the Augusta County sports fan, want to talk about or hear about. Until then, folks, enjoy the rest of your week and have a great one. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.